welcome to Podship Earth. This is your host, Jared Blumenfeld. In 1993, Octavia E. Butler wrote Parable of the Sower, a science fiction novel about a California ravaged by climate change and social dislocation in the future, 2024. This chillingly prescient story centers around the journey of a 15-year-old African-American girl named Lauren Oya Olamina, who is forced to flee her walled L.A. neighborhood walks the highways north, and ends up establishing a religious community and farm in Mendocino called Acorn, based on her belief system called Earthseed. Here's a clip from the book Parable of the Sower, where the character Lauren Olomina is describing Earthseed. The book is beautifully narrated by Lynn Thickpen. All that you touch, you change. All that you change, changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. Last year, I chose these lines to be the first page of the first book of Earthseed, the books of the living. These lines say everything. Everything. Embrace diversity. Unite or be divided, robbed, ruled, killed by those who see you as prey. Embrace diversity or be destroyed. Earthseed, the books of the living. Create no images of God. Accept the images that God has provided. They are everywhere, in everything. God is change, seed to tree, tree to forest, rain to river, river to sea, grubs to bees, bees to swarm. From one, many. From many, one. Forever uniting, Growing, dissolving, forever changing. The universe is God's self-portrait. Earthseed, the books of the living. Any serious money we make here will come from the land. Food is gold these days. We can grow food here. We have guns to protect ourselves so we can sell our crops in nearby towns or on the highway. If we survive long enough to grow anything to sell... Mora muttered. If there's enough water, if the bugs don't eat our crops, if no one burns us out the way they did those people over the hill, if, if, if. Allie sighed. Shit. It's if, if, if anywhere you go. This place isn't so bad. I wish you could have known this country when it was still salvageable. It might survive, I said. Changed. But still itself. No. Human beings will survive, of course. Some other countries will survive. Maybe they'll absorb what's left of us. Or maybe we'll just break up into a lot of little states quarreling and fighting with each other over whatever crumbs are left. That's almost happened now, with states shutting themselves off from one another, treating state lines as national borders. As bright as you are, I don't think you understand. I don't think you understand what we've lost. Perhaps it's a blessing. God is change, I said. Olamina, that doesn't mean anything. It means everything. 
everything. Last year, with the pandemic raging, the pain of George Floyd's murder boiling, it very much felt like a scene of Parable of the Sower. During this time, Pandora Thomas founded her own Earthseed Farm community. With the help of many, many people, Pandora purchased Gabriel Farm, a 14-acre organic solar-powered orchard with a 75-year history, and turned it into the first Afro-Indigenous, all-Black-owned retreat, education center, and permaculture farm in Sonoma County. This has been an incredible journey of courage and tenacity for Pandora Thomas, who Podship Earth interviewed in episode 26. Pandora is one of the nation's leading practitioners of social permaculture, is the co-founder of the Black Permaculture Network, and she designed and teaches the Pathway to Resilience training program that works with men and women returning home after incarceration. And Pandora is part of Resilient by Design that works collaboratively with vulnerable communities in the San Francisco Bay Area to design climate adaptive solution. Now Pandora is taking all this to the next level. She's taking her bold and revolutionary ideas and putting them into practice at Earthseed. I traveled to the farm in Sebastopol and was truly amazed by what she's already created. I start by asking Pandora how she was inspired by Octavia Butler's writing. You know when you read a book and you're like, oh my gosh, this person said what I wanted to say. That was Octavia Butler. I found out about Octavia when I was in seminary at Union Theological Seminary 20-something years ago. And... But also her nuance, and it's not, because that's one of my challenges with this time we're in. Things are just so extreme. You're either black or white, or either good or bad. You're either me too. It's everybody, people can cancel. There's so much nuance. For instance, Lauren ends up with this beautiful 60-year-old man, um, and then, I, you know, the interracial couple. It's been a while, but, um, and then just... All the different nuances and even how Lauren did things that might not have been completely ethical. It's just, that is more the world. It's like a continuum. And I'm telling you, farming is that way. And permaculture talks about being that way. It's not saying there aren't uh, categories or clear things that need to be done. It's just this idea that Octavia reminded us of situational context and relating and constantly being in relationship with the change. And so God is change is a reality. All that you touch, you change. That's that nuance. And that's so my experiences on this land. So what Octavia wrote about can really apply to any of the people like, well, she foretold the future. I'm like, I mean, or she just talked about systems, which it's kind of like what Nicodemus, you know, you know systems, you understand outcomes based off of what you see the trajectory is. So I think she looked at the trajectory of the shenanigans and understanding systems explored that. Starhawk does that too. We really need to train our, our young people that it's not just this or that. And there's a lot more of relating. So that's why we probably won't use the word solutions too much here at Earthseed. Because any time you say a solution, our little brain thinks, oh, we solved that thing. Any solution you come up with tends to expose more information that you then have to deal with. And that's how nature works, too. 
a plant isn't growing well or if the trees have brown spots on it, that's information about something that's out of whack in the system. And it's the same with groups of people. Someone acting up or fighting, that's giving you information of what needs tending, what needs focus. And so I'm hoping that Earthseed, much like I feel Octavia wanted us to be able to really look at the human experience in a more nuanced way and also shift some of the systems we see at play, but with that understanding of always needing to revisit our assumptions. So Pandora, tell us a little bit about, um, about the farm that we're standing on right now. So this is Earthseed Farm. So we are the fourth generation of stewards tending this land who weren't indigenous folks. Myself and a future collective of Afro-Indigenous permaculture designers um, will be stewarding this land, which is an orchard, 14-acre fruit orchard, in hopes to create a space where Afro-Indigenous folks can lead a journey reconnecting back to our non-human kin. And this place is perfect for that because there's over 4,000 trees, but more than that, there's millions of other critters. Like we have mountain lions and bobcats and coyotes coming out. We have millions of earthworms that we're already seeing and snakes and just critters everywhere. We have our peregrine falcon that protects us. There's actually a duo of peregrine falcons. And so the soil here is sandy and loamy, much like the other soil in our immediate region. And so we do have goals of building soil, but at the same time, this place is so perfect as it is. And what permaculture inspires us to do is really observe and interact with what is already there. And so when we found this place, it was like, this place is ready to hold our dreams, our visions, but also our sorrow and our stories. These trees said, you know what? We are more than just trees for picking our babies. We are also your ancestors, your co-dreamers, and we really want to nourish and heal the humans' communities that come and harvest from us. Okay, so... This is a moving, far-moving day communication experience where you will actually I appreciate be... that. You're in Berkeley. You're doing... You're practicing, but it's... It's still kind of a little hands-off. Like, hand, how did you make the decision to get deep in, like, to look for a farm that could be Earthseed? As long as I've known that my mother was raised, was born in Chihuahua, South Carolina, on a farm, they were sharecroppers, but that's what really connected my family to the earth. I was raised, connected to the earth with stories, so my that seed was planted as my mother father taught me stories of stewarding the land and the community. Even in my church, I was really raised to respect all living things. Many of my teachers encouraged it. So I'd say in my teens, I was like, one day I will live with land. But I always had this idea that it needed to be returned back to the indigenous or honored by whatever indigenous community had previously basically had it taken from them. My family is also Cherokee. And so that's why Earth Sage is powerful because the Great Rancheria, the Pomo, the Cultural Conservancy, and Heron Shadow, they are an all indigenous owned and stewarded or First Nation farm six minutes away. And Edward Willie came and did a blessing for our transition ceremony. Then you have people like Ross Kadi and again, the Great Rancheria tribe blessed us taking over this land. And that was always the dream. I didn't know what it looked like. But I knew that I was supposed to be able to wake up and listen to soil and 
birds and our non-human kin and not just the city craziness, which I feel like humans are listening way too much to other humans and to things that are not guiding us back to our true core. And if we're going to do anything about the changing climate, it's it's more rooted in the systems that give us life that are out of whack because of our misuse of them. And so coming to a piece of land, it just slows you down and you start to realize really deeply, like, where our food comes from, you know, honoring the brown people throughout Sonoma who are really harvesting our food. Many of them may not be the owners, quote, of the land, but I'm telling you, it's brown folks in Sonoma picking, harvesting, packaging, mostly. Our food system is so linked to the capitalist system that does not fairly disperse resources to everyone. So this is a place also where we're just learning about what does it mean to build soil, but also feed people. Very basic um, life questions and have water and understand the power of fire, but not fear it and design for understanding to live in relationship with fire's patterns. So the longer term goal is that this farm can not only teach us to reconnect to our non-human kin, but also have environmental education programming rooted in Afro-Indigenous practices and Black folks stewarding our land with Indigenous people in right relationship. Tell me about the house. This house, for now, is, we named it the Carver-Tubman home after George Washington Carver and Harriet Tubman. And the sign here says, the Thomas family, that's my family, dedicates this in memory of Lawrence Jelly Thomas, that's my papa, who's an ancestor, who taught us how to love the earth. Mm. We also invite black folks to just come and relax and be happy here. So it's designed really beautifully. We bought a lot of black-owned products, and there's art from black artists, friends of ours. And the interesting thing about this house was like, there's no compost toilet or rainwater catchment or, you know, there is solar, but there's opportunity to showcase permaculture strategies, even in the house, capturing the water directly on site here at the house, instead of using the water from the well that gets pumped up the hill, getting a backup battery for our solar power so that If there was an emergency, people could actually come here and maybe charge their phones or do what they need. There is potential for just having this house be a showcase of integrating what permaculture could look like in an urban setting, growing food on decks. And then eventually we want to build like a 2,500, 3,000 square foot education center that can house groups of 20 to 30 to sleep over and do more experiential hands-on training. We've hosted two Black to the Land events. So the first gathering we had, we thought it was really important to honor local Sonoma Black folks. We had like 15 to 20 Black folks from throughout Sonoma doing the work come. And out of that, we actually have stewards working on the land now. Katie, who is our lead guide, came to that event. And then Abby Huff, who is our lead herb diva. And she's creating our herbal products, really teaching us about what kind of wildlife and herbs we have here at the farm. So it's beautiful. Um, And then the second event was on Juneteenth, and that was for Black folks throughout the larger Bay Area, and that was really wonderful, too. And then we just was here, chilling, being happy, and a lot of Black folks just wandered onto the land and were like, hi, and we were like, yep, welcome. (laughs) Welcome and hang out and just be happy. Because it's like you don't realize what you've never really had a chance I mean, we own stuff and black people, you know, we have stuff, but like 
to have a beautiful 14-acre orchard, you don't realize, wow, we really don't have access to spaces like this in the country. So there are Black folks with land, but like this 14 acres and we need more. So we can go to have retreats and stuff and just know that it's going to be us that we're going to see. I still teach at places here in Sonoma and I could say for the 20 years I've been doing it, it's usually me and maybe my mom or a few black and brown folks that get invited, but we're not the ones making the decisions about how stewarding happens. And so that's been an interesting, because I'm still like, oh my gosh, there's so much responsibility. So much responsibility to this land to really honor and listen and allow and not just infringe our ideas. We always talk about composing with nature and composing with communities and Mm. not imposing. Mm. So here on this land, it's like, wow, there's a lot of systems that have already been made. And so it's just learning them this first year. But look, we already have this beautiful crew. We called ourselves the girl band today (laughs) because me, Katie, Azalea, and Lisbeth and Azalea's mom, Eki, are kind of running the show today. And then Abby comes back. So we're the girl band today. But again, it's like beautiful black and brown folks making this happen. What's your name? I'm Liz. Hi, Liz. Okay, Katie, so what? What are we going to do here today? So we have a You Pick program where you can come and pick our lovely produce for you to take home and enjoy. And how many are you in your group today? Just you two? Just us two, yeah. Perfect. So we are going to have you guys pick a lovely basket at $6 each. You can, you have to have at least one, but you can have more if you'd like, if you want more berries. How many would you like today? Like at least two, right? Yeah, we're going to eat a lot. berry. Okay. Okay. So one of the, one of the amazing members, um, Come up, Katie, come over here. One of the ma- amazing members of the Growing Earth Seed family is Katie Farrow. Katie, tell me about what connects you um, to this just incredibly beautiful place. This is one of the first Black-owned farms in Sonoma County. Pandora is the owner, a beautiful woman who wanted to make this a safe space for people of color and just to have a really nice and beautiful area. And how did you hear about it, Katie? I came to our Black to the Land event and enjoyed myself thoroughly and then got offered a job. (laughs) Like, what were you doing before where you saw this Black to the Land event and you're like, hmm, I want to go to that? So my friend Vanessa was playing here. She plays under the name Sabier. And she just messaged me on Facebook and was like, hey, there's this like farm that's for Black people and they're having this event. Do you want to come and hang out and pick berries? And I was like... That sounds amazing. (laughs) Why wouldn't I want to do? Of course I want to do that. And then I found out it was right up the road from my house. And have you lived in Sebastopol your whole life? I grew up here. And then on my 15th birthday, I moved to Utah. And then I came back in 2014. For those who haven't been to Sebastopol, like me, I've never been here before. Like, what's unique about Sebastopol? I always say that it's filled with, like, deadheads and old hippies. Deadheads meaning, like, the band The Grateful Dead. Yeah. Yeah. But not a lot of people of color. Or is that... I mean, no, 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 no. It feels very white. Yes, <laughs> it is very white. Yes. I was adopted into a white family myself. And there was at my high school I went to here, there was like four other black kids and they were siblings and cousins. <laughs> my mother did her very best and did research and always wanted me to be connected with my culture. So she would bring me to events and like Native American events because we thought I was Native American for a bit. <laughs> and uh, she also learned and watched videos on how to do my hair. So she did my hair when I was little. And what does it mean, Katie, to have a place like Earthseed now? Like, 
just as that it exists on the landscape. I've never had anything like this. It feels almost magical because it's just so different from what I'm used to, but it's so welcoming and you just feel at home immediately. When I came here for that event, the Black to the Land event, I walked down the driveway and then I saw Pandora. I'd never met her before. And she gives me a hug and she's like, welcome home. And I almost cried. Oh, I, I, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. And, and now it feels like home. Yes. Yes, it does. And how long ago was that, Katie? Maybe like a month ago. Okay. Yeah, something like that. And like, what's your dream of like for this farm? What what can it do for you and the community? I think it'll be really healing for people because there has been, I'm sure you've heard like in the news, a lot of racially charged protests and things like that. And I think that this will be really healing and also a space for people to come and feel safe because that's hard to find in Sonoma County. Talk about that. Uh, well, with all the protests and stuff going on, and there was even a police officer from Santa Rosa Police Department who went and testified against the person who killed George Floyd. Yes. No. Yeah. Oh, wow. And he testified um, with like in favor of the police officer, which obviously sparked a lot of things. And I myself went to protests and I was shot at and gassed and like we weren't doing anything. I got hit like point blank range with a gas canister when I was on my knees with my hands in the air. That's terrifying. Yeah, I had nightmares about it for like months. That's really, really frightening. And that was in Sonoma? Yeah, it was in Santa Rosa. And like, I know that some protests were like people were breaking things or, or whatnot. But this particular one, we weren't. We were, we were literally just on our, on our knees and like silently with our hands up. And then they just opened fire. Because Katie, literally, when we think of Sonoma, we think of like wine country. Like the idea that yeah. there's there's tear gas and and rubber bullets and yeah. all that flying in Santa Rosa just sounds insane. Yeah, it was a uh, it was crazy. There was um they had like blocked us in and then had like a chopper with like searchlights and whatnot and there was a bunch of gas and bullets flying and I ran broke off from like other people running and ran into a neighborhood and like had to jump into a bush because the helicopter followed me and I had to call my friend and I was like I can't get to my car. Because like they're blocking all of the, the the through streets, I need help. Like I can't breathe because there's so much gas. And like my friend was like, you know, if anyone like if I couldn't hear the chopper, I would have thought you were joking. <laughs> like because she was like, I like you you calling me in the middle of the night to tell me that you're running from the police is just like absolutely insane. <laughs> in that context of not feeling safe in a very rural community like Sonoma, like this place gives you somewhere to go that. You, that you can feel safe. Yeah, she's she's also Pandora's also said that like, you know, black people can wander my land. And so I I know that if I'm in like having a tough time or something that I could just come here, probably text her first, at least let her know, but I could just like show up and just like walk around a bit or like be back to nature you know, touch the grass and just feel more at home and more safe. So Pandora, like when Katie first came on the land, she was like, you just gave her a big hug and it made her, and you said, welcome home. That feels like so much of what this project is about. Yeah, because I feel like that's what I wish I would have had <laughs> when I've gone places. And when I went home to the African continent, that happened. Even when I was in South America, actually in Mexico, with the Zapatistas, I spent a lot of time in Chiapas. There was that kind of energy. They were like, you're our sister. But I can't say that for other kind of farmy permaculture, there's, it's been more like 
welcome black person that's diversifying this event, you know, token black person or thanks, for, you know, but it's almost like fetishized. It's fetishizing. And here it's literally like, welcome home because these trees speak to me. I know people are like, they speak. To I'm like, no, they, the critters are like, please bring people here that want to just be with us not just take from us. And so Katie was that. She came and she was just like, you could just tell. And it's like, I think that, you know, George Washington Carver said that the plants kind of spoke to him. I think that the non-human world speaks to me that way too, almost in their silence and how they just are so accepting with all the crap we're doing to them. And the fact that there's like a redwood row when you come in and it's just like so designed to welcome Mm. black folks back to the land when we've hung from trees. And it's like, no, we need to reorient our relationship to see ourselves being with trees in love. And there's a lot of people doing this all over and we've always been doing it, but Sonoma been kind of lacking because we can't really afford anything here. So that's also the miracle because I was able to just pull from my, you know, I'm almost 50 years, like 30 years of doing these environmental work, being in these mostly white and some people of color rooms, calling on that community, and they helped raise the money to buy this place, which is kind of crazy. So as Pandora and I are walking through the orchard, we uh, bump into Hajer Suleiman, who has come with her son to pick fruit. I had done some traveling recently, and when I returned home, I realized I need a community that I can be more out in nature, and more particularly in farming, in farming spaces. And where, where did you come in from today? Oh, I live in Oakland. What drew you to, to Earthseed? Um, well, just kind of reading a little bit about Pandora and her story. Um, I don't know a lot about permaculture, um, but I did see that she worked on a per permaculture farm and she's a teacher um, and community leader. Um, and so seeing that definitely drew me towards her and her work. And I just wanted to learn more about it and check out the space. That's awesome. And what, so what are you coming to pick today? Today... We're hoping to pick some blackberries and some plums and pluots. I don't think the apples are, are quite ripe, but we'll see. Then you brought your son, Omar? I did, yeah. Omar's here with me today. Excellent. Well, enjoy, enjoy it. Yeah, thank you. So Pandora, maybe tell me about the process by which you were able to, to marshal all these forces and, and actually make this project happen because often communities of color have been shut out from access to capital, shut out from the ability to buy land. Um, so it's a really important uh, obstacle that you that you overcame. Yeah, and I feel that I have to say I'm speaking from a place of privilege. And again, privilege does not see color. Why I say a place of privilege, and also I feel like the word privilege it's not just around money or having stuff. You can be a privileged in your skills at something, you know. But I privilege because I have put myself out there and been one of the only black folks in all sorts of worlds for a long time. Credit my mom and dad for telling me that. I could pretty much do whatever I wanted. So when it came to even the idea, so actually, a year ago, Black Lives Matter started. A friend of mine, Joseph Campbell, Pandora, 
some white folks want to support something that black people are doing. Are you doing anything? What would it look like to to land in a place that Afro-Indigenous permaculture could be celebrated, practiced? And so I said to um, Jonathan, oh, yeah, I'm getting a farm. <laughs> and again, it was something I had been thinking about. But, you know, three weeks later, I had raised $20,000. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. That ag and open space, they help you with easements. They help farmers keep land or they help keep land wild with easements. So that idea was maybe we can go in and find a former farm or work with FarmLink. And so I was like, what? I mean, literally, this was a year ago. So that's why I call myself privileged because I knew people. I'd been in the right places. I had access. And I don't want to claim that that's easy because people are like, well, can you teach me how I, I was like, I can't tell you to be around people that are wealthy all the time, you know, because I know I had access. But at the same time, we have to know that the stories we tell ourselves also can keep us from living our dreams and visions. So I've never, as an adult, told myself, I can't do this or I can't be in places. And even when people might mistreat me, I don't know what is I. So I credit my ancestors and then I have just pulled from this circle of communities of people I've known over the years, but also because I think I had the experience. Like for 20 years, I've been working on farms, environmental education centers, learning what doesn't work, created networks. Zakia Harrison, she will be running workshops here and really holding some of our um, marketing and stuff. But yeah, because I, I don't want to claim that anybody could do it because you can't. And I only did it because I think at the moment everybody was trying to make black people feel better and giving them money. But I also don't want to discount. I just pulled on relationships. No one helped fund this that I didn't have a relationship with because that was important, too. Because I want, you know, now funders are coming because I'm like, you're earthsy, too. And we all need to heal together. And y'all got to give some stuff up. <laughs> Only a few people have all the stuff. And some have been like, oh, did you ask Jeff Bezos or his wife, whatever? And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't know them. And I don't, I feel like there's plenty of other people that they're finding. So I would rather really call on, and it's not a one way too. Investing in this, you will then come here and be like, Wow. This is healing layers and layers of generational trauma of anybody that comes here. And how are you feeling personally? Like, how does it feel to be on the farm? This is the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> it's literally. So what's your dream like three, four years from now? What do you hope happens? What I want to see in three to four years is that this place really tells us what should be here and that we can listen. And that it's just a beautiful gathering space for human and non-human, led by Afro-Indigenous permaculture folks, celebrating life and growing what we need and feeling safe and not fearing the earth or any of what earth's trying to teach us about ourselves, but we really are learning about each other. And that the larger world would be shifting and focus more on learning the lessons the earth has to teach us. And that Earthseed can be a little sliver of an oasis that keeps putting that out into the world. A huge thank you to Pandora Thomas, Katie Farrow, and the entire Earthseed community for welcoming me to their farm. From the moment you walk through the Earthseed gates, you feel the warmth and promise of the community. 
Pandora's vision has brought together Octavia Butler's energy, the spirit of indigenous stewards of the land, the wisdom of generations of Latinx hands that have tended Gabrielle Farm, together with the principles of permaculture and equity, they make a very powerful recipe that's bringing people of color from far and wide to breathe the fresh air of Earthsea. Pandora and her team need financial help to make the Earthseed dream blossom. So please go to earthseedfarm.org, earthseedfarm.org, and do what you can. Thank you each so much for being part of the Podship Earth journey from the entire Podship Earth crew, sound engineer Rob Spade, executive producer David Kahn, and from me, Jared Blumenfeld, all that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change.